You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you're seated. Open your Bible at Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Now, as I was praying there, I was praying. I know that I pray a similar prayer every time I open in the message because that I, number one, I want to receive from God the grace to speak the word as He wants it spoken. I'll be very cautious that I don't go by my own opinions. Amen. But even as I pray, I have an unction of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you'll notice that the prayer has variety to it. And the reason for that, so I don't want to get into tradition of praying because it's not by tradition, it's my confession of faith. It means the equivalent of saying, Hallelujah, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. So be able to speak the word, I speak that in clarity. But as I was praying, that, that unction that we understand that when I teach, I'm always wanting to teach what the Word says. Because here's the thing. Many of us have different belief systems. Now, I've said it before. As we, if I had to ask you here, how many of you are willing to admit, put your hand up, that your belief system is absolutely perfect in every way. If, if you stood in front of Jesus, he'd find absolutely no fault in you whatsoever. I mean, every, everything you believe, every single decision, every opinion, every mindset, everything you know is perfect. I mean, if God needed a break, he'd ask you to run the universe. Because you know it all exactly right. I don't think I'd get any takers. I don't want to give people an opportunity to expose their foolishness by saying, please put your hand up and see if any hands go up. So you always got someone like, yeah, me. <laughs> but I think if I had to speak to you, I mean, you would agree with me that you, you, you're willing to say that not everything you believe is entirely accurate. Now, you might not know what it is because you're not wrong on purpose. Isn't that right? But have you willing to admit there might be something that still needs correction? Okay, now there we can put our hands up. There might be something in my life that I need correction in. So by definition, we're not perfect. Then that tells me somewhere along the line, there's something that may need to be adjusted, that may need to be corrected. But here's the thing. We're not wrong on purpose. We don't make decisions to be wrong. I know, I know they keep teaching me that, but I want to be wrong. None of us do that. Isn't that right? So how did you come to that belief system? How did you come to know that which you know? Well, obviously, from the time you're born, whoever was looking after you started imparting that stuff into you. You watched the people around you and you learned certain things. Uh, you listened to things, you went to school, teachers started imparting you movies, games you played, experiences that you tried to trust this one and then that happened. And then you decided, okay, I'm going to go to church or not. And you were invited to here and go to there. You, uh, your, your life is full of experience and however long you've lived, that's the amount of information that's been put 
into you. And all of that has been seed. And the Word of God talks about that everything you receive, everything, everything you have in your life came as a form of a seed. It started as a seed to produce a harvest in your life. The Word of God, Jesus spoke about a tree that God has not planted talking about the sycamine tree, a tree that produces something that looks like a fig, but when you bite into it, it's sour and bitter. And he says that tree can be removed by faith. Whatever God has not planted, he will remove. So we've got these trees in our lives that keep producing fruit, and we don't know where the fruit comes from. I know what it is with me. Every time I meet with someone, uh, they, they get upset with me. Everybody, I have a, you know, this is my sixth marriage, and I don't understand why I can't stay married. Uh, I keep every, every job I get. Within six months, they're firing me. I, you know, people, there's different things in our lives, and we don't know why this keeps happening. Well, that tree keeps producing a fruit. And until you address the tree and allow God to change it, it's going to keep producing the fruit because he has the thing. That sycamine tree, which produces bad figs, is totally incapable as a tree to produce nice, sweet oranges. It, it, you're, not, you, you're not just going to take your tree and change the fruit. No, the fruit is because of the root. So if you want to change the fruit, you've got to change the root. And you've got to pull that tree out. And the only one that can do that is God. He is the one that will remove that tree in order to replace it with His Word. His seed. When His Word and His seed gets down in you, that's why when you're first born again, you hear something say, Hallelujah, let me try this out. And sometimes it doesn't work. Why? Because that tree has to have time to grow up to be able to produce the fruit. The longer you spend in the Word, the longer you water that tree, the longer you nurture it and feed it, it will grow up. And eventually, it'll start to produce the fruit. And just the same way that original tree kept doing things, I don't understand why that keeps happening, because it keeps producing the same fruit. If you stay in the Word, and you stay connected and let that tree grow up, it will eventually produce a fruit. And then, I don't understand why, but I'm always, my faith works. My prayers get answered. In the beginning, you labored, but now... You sow a seed, there's the harvest. You pray and ask for something, there's the answer. Have you noticed how some people make faith look really easy? Why? Because they've nurtured that tree. And you're just seeing the fruit now coming out. The fruit is what's being produced. And so to make those changes and those mindsets, when we first hear something that contradicts what we believe, we, by nature, want to stay in a comfort zone. Have you noticed that? We, we, we fight for comfort. Your body fights for comfort. It doesn't want to get up. It doesn't want to run. It doesn't want to do the extra. It, it, it would prefer to be left alone. You have to say, now get up, go to work. Isn't that right? We always retract to a place of comfort. We don't like to be challenged. And that's the thing is that whenever I address the Word of God and I speak the Word of God and, and I understand People wonder, how come, you know, people always get upset with what you teach? How come people want to criticize? Because I'm challenging comfort zones. I'm challenging a belief system. But until I challenge it, you won't see that it's in your house. You won't see that it's in your heart. And then you don't see any need to get rid of it. 
And so that's why you've heard me say it before, excellence always intimidates mediocrity because mediocrity is in a place of comfort. And then we say, hang on, there's a higher lifestyle. We don't understand that. Why is it that I'm feeling uncomfortable? Why am I upset with the pastor? Now, if I was standing up, yeah, and I said, you know, I have an opinion that every house, any house anyone lives in, you must paint all houses green. And if you want to be part of the Bay Christian Manager, you must change your house to green. And then people get upset. I'm not changing my house to green. I don't like a green house. Now I can understand, you know, it's not my right to tell you your house should be green. So that's an opinion. So get upset with me if I, if I forced you to change your house to green. Then, then by all means, then get upset with Alan Bag. But if I say the Word of God says, have a look what the Word says here, and then you go ahead and you have a look at it, and you say, hang on, I don't agree with that. Then don't get upset with me because I've read the Word. I'm the, the big Amen. Someone's saying, would you setting us up here? <laughs> yes, I am. Because my job is to provoke you. Amen. Because very often we come with a mindset. And that mindset can be hurting us. And if we don't fix it, we will always be in a place where the enemy will keep hitting us with the same thing. And we don't understand why. This morning we found out about... Jacob, who was deceived by his uncle Laban when he was deceived into marrying Leah in the dark, on a bed, wearing a veil. And we look back and said, and he was still like, how could you do this to me? How could you deceive me? Well, Jacob, let's rewind a few years. And on a bed, behind a veil, the fur, in the dark, your father was blind, you deceived. You sowed a seed. And that seed produced a harvest. And until we go, hang on, what's happening in my life is because of a wrong belief system, then I need to change that. So when I provoke somebody in the Word of God, it's for that reason, is to say, now let's change. Let's be prepared to say, you know what? I do feel uncomfortable with what you're saying, but I realize that's my mediocrity. That's my comfort, and I may not. I might find it difficult to want to change, but I want better. I want what God has for me, and that's why I'm always cautious to make sure that I use the Word of God and stay with the Word, because when I give you the Word, you can confidently say, "I'm changing to this. This is what I want." And how many are you ready for that kind of change? So with that disclaimer in place, Joel chapter 2, <laughs> remember verse 28, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons, daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Now that is the scripture that Jesus read from when he was first anointed by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness, and he came out in power. And this was his first message that he preached, was from this scripture saying, uh, no, that's not the one. That's where Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. This is the first message that Peter preached when he was in the upper room. 
and he received the power of God. When the first Holy Spirit was poured out in the church, he came out and he said, it shall come to pass afterward. And he quoted from this. This is where the Spirit of the Lord is upon my people. Have a look. Come and have a look here. Verse 28, it shall come to pass afterward. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your son's daughter shall prophesy. Your men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. How many of you have received the Holy Spirit? Now this morning we had a look at how that Holy Spirit, that anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. So God wants to remove the burdens out of your life. He wants to destroy the yokes. What happens is that through time, the enemy puts yokes on us. That yoke keeps us under control. It keeps us directed in the wrong direction. Satan tries to keep us. Even though we want to go in a different direction, we may try something out, but then what happens is that yoke of bondage will be brought back. But now the Spirit of God has been poured out. That anointing destroys the yoke. And when the yoke is destroyed out of a person's life, now they can walk in the fullness of it. And that's what Peter was saying. Now that the Holy Spirit is in the church, God has anointed us, and we're going to see visions, we're going to dream dreams, and not only that, we're going to preach the gospel, multitudes are going to be saved, all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the reason I'm reading that is because I want you to see in that context, you notice it says in verse 28, and it shall come to pass. So what was Joel saying as a result of that? How did he get to that end? Look at verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. He caused the rain to come down for you, the former rain, the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat. The vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. Everybody say abundance. Now, we had a look last week and a number of weeks already how God is a God who does exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. With everything that whatever you read from the Word of God, there's the spiritual aspect, but that spiritual aspect has a natural outworking. When the Bible says that by His stripes you've been healed, you understand that Jesus first died for your salvation. That was the purpose for Him dying, to take sin so that sin could be removed out of your life, that if you call on the name of the Lord, sin no longer keeps you from His presence. He could move into your life and you could be born again. That's what Jesus paid for. That was the purpose for salvation, was number one, to get you born again. If nothing else ever happens in your life, that was the primary reason Jesus died for you. Then the Word of God says, and by His stripes... You were healed. So if by his stripes you were healed, you study that out. It talks about by his wounds, you were healed. He bore every sickness and he carried every disease. And sometimes people will say, yes, but that's spiritually. If you go study it out, we're not going to do it tonight. I'm just using this as a precursor to what I'm going to say now. Is you notice how Jesus, when he went about healing all, Matthew quoted that it was said he will bear our sicknesses and therefore that's why these people are getting healed. So he's saying there is also the natural healing to it. So sometimes people say, well, Jesus didn't die for that. Well, he did. 
That's not the only reason. Because they want to make it out like the only reason he died was to get people out of hell into heaven. No, it cost him his blood. And he paid the price for sin. But not only that, at the same time, he bore your sickness and disease. And if you believe that, receive it. You can call on that healing now. You don't have to wait. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And people under the old covenant with the understanding of the healing power of God, every time Jesus said, what do you want that I can see? What is it that you need? That my son be delivered. Whatever they asked for, they received it. Why? Because it's under the same covenant. And so the same way, as you study it out, you're going to hear natural and spiritual. And yes, the spiritual is important, but it's to have the natural aspect where God wants to help you at the same time. And so, yeah, as the Word of God says, it says that your threshing floor shall be full of wheat, that shall overflow with new wine and oil. Now, how many of you know he's talking to farmers? So, of course, when you look at it from prophetical language, when you talk about wheat, it talks about the Word of God. Wine talks about the Holy Spirit, oil, the anointing. So, obviously, that there's going to be an increase of anointing, increase of the Word, increase of power, increase of the presence of the Holy Spirit, you're going to experience that. But at the same time, you can say, hang on, he's talking to business people, yeah, whose income is wheat, oil, and flour, and he said he's going to increase it. That's what they heard. They didn't hear spirit. They heard, my, my barn's going to be full. So I'm going to hear with the same ears. You see, I'm not going to over-spiritualize everything every time because you can't over-spiritualize it because in the realm of the Spirit, it will cause a natural manifestation. See, when you receive the Spirit of anointing, the Spirit of healing, that healing will flesh out in you. It'll be health to you and health to your flesh. Hallelujah. My words are spirit and they are life. Life to those who find them and health to their flesh. Life to you and health to your flesh. You're not your flesh. You're living in flesh. But the Word brings health to you, spirit, and your flesh. Hallelujah. And so now, verse 25, God says, I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I send amongst you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Uh, how many of you in the last two years, I've asked this before, but I'm just putting this as a foundation once again. How many of you say you've had some chewing and spitting out? How many of you had some, some people have had their whole business consumed? And God says, I don't care what the locust has done. I don't care if your entire crop was destroyed. I will restore to you. I, you, not even you have to go get it. I will restore it to you. Say, my God is in restoration. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. What's satisfied mean? There's not one thing I need extra. Isn't that right? And notice, plenty. Everybody say Plenty. And you'll praise the name of the Lord your God who's dealt wondrously with you. My people shall never be put to shame. And you'll know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. There is no other name. My people shall never be put to shame. My people shall never 
be put to shame. Just in case someone wants to point out, hang on, God's talking to Israel. Yeah, that's Israel. Who's, the, who's his father? Hello. Who's, who's Israel? Jacob. Who's his father? Isaac. Who's his father? Oh, hang on now. Doesn't the word say, if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed? See, you may not be the country Israel, but you are born of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, Judah, and Jesus from the tribe of Judah. You're born again. You're born into his family. You are Jewish. The word says you are a true Jew, not by religion or by country, by covenant right. Amen. So that's why you can keep the scripture and say, that is me. And he said, my people, say, that's me, will never be put to shame. And then God will pour out his spirit. So if he's done that before he poured out the spirit, do you think he's saying, oh, hang on now. And now the spirit's poured out. So what you just heard, cancel. No, if that happened under the old covenant, now you're born again. The Holy Spirit's poured out. Now you can continue in that. But now you're not just limited to the natural anymore. You can now expand to operate in the realm of the Spirit. Is that good news? Say, that is good news. And so we've been having a look at how God wants to strengthen and increase us. And so we went down to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Remember, the Word of God spoke about uh, wisdom and how wisdom would increase and multiply in our lives. And because of that wisdom, we would see the power of God. And so he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. Everybody say, Jesus has become for me wisdom. Wisdom. The same wisdom that Solomon operated under. You now have within you. Because Christ is that wisdom. You're born again, you have the anointed one in you, that is wisdom. Isaiah 48, 17 says, I am the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. You heard Pastor Samuel teaching just now on God teaching you to profit. And I asked you last week, doesn't profit mean increase? Say this, God wants to increase me. Now look at Proverbs 10.22. He says yeah, the blessing of the Lord does what? Does what? Makes one rich. And he has no sorrow with it. Now how many of you know when you're born again, you receive the blessing of God? The word says in Galatians 3 that Jesus who was a curse, Jesus was blessed but he became a curse on the cross. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. And as a curse, he did that so that the blessing of Abraham may come on Gentiles. Say that as a born-again child of God, I am blessed. And that blessing makes one rich. Someone asked and they said, are you telling me every Christian should be rich? Can I rephrase your question? Well, let me make the statement. No, not every Christian should be rich. 
Every Christian is rich. Oh, but I'm not a Christian. I, I, does that mean I'm not a Christian? Why would you say that? Well, I'm not rich. How do you know that? Because if anyone thinks they're not rich, who's born again, why would they think that? Because of the wrong tree. Because this world system, the Babylonian system, has taught you rich means you're driving a German car. This Babylonian system says you're not rich unless you're wearing some kind of flashy merch and, you know, uh, branded gear. You're not rich unless you live in that neighborhood. My dad wasn't rich. How do you know that? Because of the food we ate. See, we're using things to decide if we're rich or not. Was Jesus, this is why people say, you know, Jesus was poor. How, where did you find that? Where did you find that? Not in the Bible. Someone told you that. Someone told us that. I was told the same thing. Jesus walking around, they, uh, birds and foxes have holes and nests, but the Son of Man has no place to put his head. That doesn't mean he wasn't poor. Because when he's in Capernaum, they went to his house. I don't have time to go and give all the proof yet. But the point I mean, how can one say Jesus is not rich? Because of what we were told. Because again, we're trying to measure rich by how much he has in his pocket. Listen, he didn't have to have anything in his pocket. He didn't even need a credit card. He'd go catch a fish. You have to go to an auto bank. He goes into the, down to the river. And he gets gold out of a, oh, give me a break. I mean, you go to an auto bank, you get little rand notes. He goes to the river, catches a fish, and there's gold in its mouth. Come on, family, are you getting a hold of this? Feed 5,000 people. Come on, what kind of restaurant has he got? And he didn't get truckloads of, of, of supplies. He, how, what do you have? What's in the pantry? Five loaves, two fish. Bring it, feed the people. Come on, that, you understand what I'm saying? Our concept of rich has to be changed. So the Word of God has declared, the blessing makes one rich. Now, I used to think of that as a process. Now that I'm blessed, it will make me rich. I had to renew my mind and say, you know what? If the blessing makes rich and I am blessed, then I'm rich. Water makes wet, and if you got water on you, you're wet. You're not, don't get the water and then get wet later. When you qualify, yes, the water. Well, when you qualify, you'll get wet. Now, say this water makes wet. The blessing makes me rich. Shout amen. So, how does that come forth? Notice he says here, Proverbs chapter 10, go down to verse 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. Brings forth wisdom. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3. Have I, have I read scripture so far? Any opinions yet? Everybody good with the word? You good with the word? Say, so I'm great with the word. I love the word. Whatever the word says, I believe it. 
Verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. All the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Now listen to this. Length of days in her, are in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. Get a hold of what just was said. Is that the same God who created the earth and founded the heavens, he established everything, this whole universe, is the same wisdom that you have that gives length of days and riches. You see that? Say that, I have that same wisdom. Now listen to Psalm 112 verse 1. Now we're going to take this beyond just the realm of the Spirit. Because you need to see this in your life naturally. Psalm 112 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who delights greatly in his commandments. Okay, pause. I just want to make sure. Is this you? Because I don't want to overqualify you. Do you fear the Lord? Do you delight greatly in His Word? If you do, lift your hand. Say, I'm qualified. This is me. Okay, so now we're going to read about you. This is you. Verse 2. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. You hear that, kids? The generation of the upright will be blessed. Read verse 3 out loud for me. What will be in your house? What will be in your house? Are you sure that's what the Bible says? Is that spiritual? That's spiritual. No, it's in your house. In your house, not in your heart. In your house, you look around, in your house, there will be wealth and riches. Now, do you think God's about giving you big mansions and big cars just that you have that? No, we call to be a blessing. We call to bless others. But I cannot help others if I can't help myself. You heard me say it before, a drowning man cannot drown, save another drowning man. So wealth and riches is not just about being greedy. It's about getting out there, preaching the gospel, planting churches, saving lives. But we're not going to do it on pancake sales. Say this, wealth and riches will be in my house. Now I suppose the only question is, are there? Okay, it went quiet there. Because here's the thing. Could it be my old mindset is stopping this from manifesting? Because we're still listening to YouTube and, and people that are speaking against prosperity and trying to stop us thinking that this is what God wants for us. 
And as long as we're on the back foot apologizing and always saying, are you sure? And I don't know. And yeah, they got a point. And it's those preachers and it's this, con- this movement and whatever. Then it won't happen. You notice healing doesn't just jump on anybody. Sickness does. But healing has to be received. Demons will attack. But you have to receive the Holy Spirit to be filled with him. We have to receive by faith from the kingdom of God. So I need to renew my mindset. If he says wealth and riches will be in my house, and I want that to happen because he said it, then I'm going to believe it. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich. Oh, hang on now. He was what? Oh, Jesus was rich. Say that. My Jesus was rich. My Bible says Jesus was rich. Yet, for your sakes, he became poor. Now, I've already proved that while he walked on the earth, he was not poor. So when did he become poor? At the cross. Why? That you through his poverty might also be poor. Hallelujah. What? Go back and read it. That's what I thought. People say, Jesus rode on a donkey. You should too. Okay, sell your car and go get a donkey. Hello? No, Jesus wasn't calling us to be poor like he was poor. If you're a good Christian, you must be like your Jesus. What does the scripture say? That you through his poverty might become rich. Yeah, but that's spiritual. Go study it out. I don't have time tonight. You do a Greek word study there. That Greek is talking about natural wealth. Riches like in money stuff. That's the words used. Same word you would use in, in the economy. So here's the thing. Jesus operated powerfully while he was on the earth, demonstrated how the kingdom of God should operate. Whatever you need, you can draw on. Whatever you have need of. He didn't have to carry around bags of gold to say he's rich. When he needed gold, go catch it. Oh, come on, you got to hear it. If you need gold, go catch it. You see, you're not working to be rich. Did I say you mustn't work? No, we still work, but what's the work for? To manifest your gift so that you can be a blessing to others. To call others to greatness. But in that, God says he will enable you that what you're doing, that if you needed a bag of gold, he can get it to you. I don't need to have banks full of money to say I'm rich. If I need it, I can get it. So Jesus demonstrated that. But then on the cross, he lost everything. They took his clothes off of him. And he died. Now, people say, Jesus, that, that's diminishing the blood of Jesus. You think he paid just to make people rich. I didn't say that. I already qualified. The reason he died was to get you born again and get you saved. There, I'm in total agreement. 
That was the sole purpose for His blood was to save you. Now that you're born again, you're born into the kingdom of God. You're born into the household of the king. Let me show you what's behind door number two. Let me show you what's in the closet. Let me show you what's in the pantry. Let me show you what. Now you have this available that Jesus, when he gave it all up, was so that he could die, pay the price so that you could enter into the kingdom of God and take up the lifestyle he had before the cross. Now you have access to the same. And as access to the same, you are now walking in this lifestyle of being rich. And again, I need to just keep saying it, family of God. It's not about greed. It's about God having blessed you so that you can walk in the fullness of what He has for you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. You're born again, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Family God, I want us to renew our minds. Get over the poverty mentality. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Stop apologizing for it. Stop trying to question whether prosperity is God's desire for you or not. Stop thinking about it being a millionaire. That's not about the issue. You are beyond millionaire. You, there's not enough numbers to say. that. You, no, forget billionaire. Forget trillionaire. This is just because you're a billionaire. Because you have access to unlimited power unlimited resources, unlimited possibilities. Let God restore you. So how does that work? Just believe it. Trust God. The next time you have an issue, stop thinking, I don't have enough money. I don't know where we're going to get our food from next month. I don't know how we're going to pay the rent. Don't worry about those things. You go before God and say, Father, as a born-again child of God, I am rich, and you are the Father that loves me, and you will not allow me to be put to shame. I have my rent money, and I want to thank you. That rent is paid. And it's just from that moment on, rejoice, thank God, let Him be God, let Him do what God does, and watch how the miracles will start rolling in. Just rolling in. Because if you let that tree grow up, where you are thoroughly convinced you are rich, watch what happens. Because it gets to a point where that just overtakes you. you won't, in the beginning, Janine and I, there were things we were trusting God for. We'd have to write it down, make a confession, sow our seed. and We still do that today for certain things. But nowadays, things happen. Someone comes and says, somebody paid this for you. What? I didn't even ask for that. But it was done. And so I go to the father. and I said, Father, I didn't even ask for that. He's like, 
I, I had this conversation. I don't do it anymore because now I just thank you. And when the first time it happened, I said, Father, I didn't even ask for that. And it's the, the, the sense I got, because I can't see him physically, the sense I got was like, mm, that's what I do. I'm your father. Why, why do you have to always ask me for something? I, something I just want to do it because I love you. And you got enough seed in the ground, so I have legal right to do it. Amen. And even if he didn't have legal right, he's dead. He can do what he wants anyway. Come on. How many of you have children? Do you ever come home with a surprise? You bought them a pair of shoes or, or a shirt or, you know, they've been looking at something. You just go ahead and get them. They say, why? It's not my birthday. Yeah, well, I want to bless you. We do that with our kids all the time. Your daddy loves you. Amen. But let's renew our minds. And let that tree grow up and watch how that fruit will start producing in your life. Amen. Amen. You ready for that? Because you are headed for great restoration. This God has declared this year a year of restoration. We said that before we knew what was going to go haywire. Isn't that right? Whatever's happened, God is going to restore it completely. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Miracles are happening every day. So lift your hand before God and say, Father, thank you. I receive this word today. I receive the grace, the abundance of grace that causes you. You said grace would abound towards me and I will always have all sufficiency in all things and abundance for every good work. And I thank you. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. That is settled. And I know I don't need anything else except my eternal life. And I'd be happy with that. However, you said you want me to have more. More than just eternal life. And I receive it. And I'm willing to walk in it. I renew my mind to it. I allow my heart to believe it. And as I believe it, it transforms and it changes me, changes me to receive it. And whatever happens in my life and comes into my life, I see that blessing and I let it do its work. And I will not reject it. I'll stay in it, receive it, walk in it, rejoice in it, and give you glory, and give you honor in Jesus' name. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen.